I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Jen. Today is a special episode because we are celebrating the launch of your book, Hashtag <gasps> Authentic. It's finally here. It's book week. I feel like you've been working on this for ages. It feels like, yeah, longer than it took to grow a child. <laughs> You could have grown two babies. I could have made two humans, but hopefully once this one's out in the world, it's going to be less of a responsibility. <laughs> Unless like recovery time, hopefully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, excited, really excited and a little bit terrified because it does feel like stepping into like a slightly different arena, but mostly just excited and, and I hope people are going to love it. For anyone who, this is the first time they're hearing that you've got a book coming out, will you tell them a little bit about what it is? Sure. So it's called Hashtag Authentic. And it is a guide to finding your creativity and your community online, especially on Instagram, because as lots of you know, that's my favorite place to hang out. And Instagram changed my life. Literally, I was working for the NHS and was on maternity leave with my little girl and I just sort of stumbled across this app and used it as a place to just connect with other people and from there it kind of branched out in so many directions I now have this business I have a life I never dreamed I could live it's kept me productive when my health really deteriorated and yeah it's kind of a celebration of all of those things I've said to someone the other day the book is kind of like how do we walk that line between being successful and getting our voice heard and kind of playing the game that is required of us to do that but at the same time, not just completely bullshitting everybody and lying about who you are and what your life is like. So hopefully it's going to inspire people to find their own line in the middle. It's a beautiful book. Like I was saying, Sarah, I feel like it's one of those books that you can just open up at any page and be inspired. Yeah, I was like, yeah, a toilet book. And then <laughs> and, I laugh. and, and then Alex was like, Alex is gentle. And he was like, you can't mark it as a toilet book. <laughs> also, it's too beautiful to have in the room where we do number two. Well, I think it's because of my mum. Like the only time I get some pieces is if I pretend to go to the toilet and lock myself in a bathroom. <laughs> oh, I'm just going for another long wee. <laughs> so today to celebrate, we are going to have a bit of a rapid fire Instagram episode. Are you ready? I kind of am. Is it like Mastermind? Definitely. Okay, my specialist subject is Instagram. <laughs> you, we have asked for questions and I mean, because we touch on Instagram a few times in different episodes and we always kind of look at it from like a broad picture. So I think what I'm excited about today is we're going to like ask some actual very specific nitty gritty Yeah, nitty gritty. So thank you to everyone who sent in questions. We'll get through as many as we can. Okay, question number one is from Leah and she asks, well, she says that she loses followers and likes no matter how active she is and how much she interacts. This is really common at the moment. I hear it from multiple people every single day. In fact, I quite recently wrote a blog post on the topic that she might want to check out if she wants some more detail on it. What I think is happening is Instagram has had another kind of rejig of all of their systems, of their algorithms. And what's really happening is nobody is gaining at the moment at the same rate they were before, or not many people are gaining, I should say. So what that looks like, though, is that we're losing followers because we're probably losing followers at the rate we always did. Like what I've understood from what you shared about this is we're no longer getting as many new followers, but we're losing the same amount of followers, but we're seeing it more because we're not getting the plus. Exactly. So previously it was hidden. It was kind of masked. So let's say that you were losing 10 followers every day, but gaining 20. You would have thought you were just gaining 10 followers a day. There's not enough nuance in the stats for us to see any difference. But if you stop gaining that 20 but still lose the 10, then all you see is the 10 minus. So it can feel like actually you're doing something wrong that you weren't doing before because you're losing more followers. But actually 
what's actually happening is you're not growing at the same rate. And the reason I think that that matters is paying attention to the things that we're doing that lose us followers is quite different to paying attention to the things that we do to grow our audience. They're two different sets of strategies. And if you start going down a rabbit hole of, I've got to retain these followers, but they were people who you were just going to organically lose anyway, then you're kind of pouring all your efforts in the wrong direction when you actually should be looking at, okay, how do I access growth again with the new system? So that article that you mentioned that you wrote, I've sent that to so many clients <laughs> because this is, and the this is where my brain goes. This is where you are more data driven and I'm more like feelings driven. <laughs> but I'm like, the question I'm obsessed with is how do we care a little bit less about follower growth up and down? Right. That's the broad question here, isn't it? Because I see people just like Leah who are just, people are losing sleep over this question. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm asking here for you is for anyone listening to this who is getting really stressed about how many followers are growing and how many followers they're losing and how can they feel more sane in all of this is what I'm curious about. Like, what would your advice be to them? Because while they're like playing the game and doing their Instagram, they've also just got to feel okay on a daily basis. Right. So a few things to keep in mind is one, this is affecting everyone like right across the board I could point you to accounts with millions of followers I can point you to accounts with hundreds of followers and they're all they're all suffering from the exact same problem so it's not you it's not personal it's not something you're doing wrong or not doing right secondly everything on Instagram changes like the fact that it's changed and this is the current situation when it was different before shows us that it's always changing and I've been around long enough to know that it's going to change again and it's kind of cyclical so sometimes it'll be working in your favor sometimes not so much and you kind of just have to sit it out and keep doing your thing but thirdly I guess the really big one is like your numbers do not define you and I know we hear this everywhere and it stops I think it's kind of lost all meaning because yes. people find it really hard to apply to those deep core feelings. It can feel patronizing even I think for yeah. some people for to be told that this thing like it's perspective but I also think it's just it's too of a broad struggle like oh they don't matter. Yeah and it's easy for me the, to say like I've got 200,000 Yeah we have to respect so, the emotions that yeah. come well do you know what I mean? Totally and it can feel like the only measure of growth and the only measure of kind of worth so one of the things I always talk about in my classes is find much more tangible measures for like your success and for how well you're reaching people so rather than look at like am I getting more followers this week look at how many conversations have I started how many dms did I get in my inbox that really connected and were someone who I know I'm going to have an ongoing relationship with whether that's as a customer or as a friend or whatever else how many website clicks did I get that actually turned into something meaningful how many new subscribers did I get on my newsletter I think we need to broaden it out it's fine if you're data driven like I like data to tell me how well I'm doing at things but you can't just rely on one single metric you can't just look at and the problem with Instagram is we're not in control Mm. we can't read into these numbers because it's not a democratic fair system that is just giving us a score based on how well we've done this week it is a number based on so many variables that we can't even access let alone control yeah so rather than outsourcing our self-worth and our self-belief to these numbers trust me when I say as long as you are posting and showing up and making connections you're growing the things that matter you're growing the ties and the connections within your business or within your brand and those are going to serve you way more in the long run than an extra number next to your profile and I always think the bigger question is like why do you want your Instagram to grow in the first place yes and whatever the goal is Instagram cannot be your only pursuit of that goal if you're relying on instagram to help you grow a business or to do replace that word with whatever it's it's part of it it's not the i see so many people think that their business will live or die by their instagram growth and it's not true and we start with this always in the insta retreat week one it's what 
is it your actual big goal? And normally it's the goal like you've been too scared to ever say out loud to yourself. But you need to recognize what that is because quite often it doesn't need a huge number and it needs a really intentional audience. Like there is no point getting 100,000 generic followers if you're going to launch a sustainable eco fashion brand in Devon and you only want local customers. (laughs) Like, yes, that is not, those two goals are not compatible. So although the numbers, we've kind of been programmed, I think, to think the big numbers equal success. Actually, what success is about is human connections and digging a bit deeper to make things that have a real sustainability. Okay, next question. This is from Maz. And they ask, are 15 stories a day necessary to grow on Instagram now? I've heard this come from lots of people. Really? Because I was like, is this a, is this like a theory that's being put around? Yeah, there's always these rumors and these theories. And 15 stories has been kind of touted. I think it came from Instagram themselves as like optimum number of slides. Will you just break down the actual science? Of, like, does that mean that Instagram will share you more if you like what? Mm, what's the theory? They're very close lipped on all of this stuff. I mean, obviously they want us all doing more stories. Yeah, because then we'll have more adverts. Sent exactly. Out and a more active platform and they can show their investors how busy they are. So I kind of take it with a pinch of salt. I think possibly what happens is if you go any further than 15, people don't get a chance to watch them all. I think 15 is probably the maximum. But No, you do not need to be using stories to grow. And I think this is one that people fall into a lot. They really feel like, well, stories seems really busy and active. I'm not growing. It must be because I'm not busy and active on stories. And the way I always explain this is if you stop and think about your own Instagram behavior, like this is the reference for everything you need to know about Instagram. Mm. You already know everything you need to know. How do you find new people to follow on Instagram? Like, I'm actually going to ask you this, Jen. How do you find new people to follow? I would say um, nine times out of ten, it's someone who I follow recommends someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, now and again, it's I stumble across someone elsewhere on the internet, and then I go back to their Instagram profile. Very rarely, I don't think I've followed anyone from the Explore page. Do you go and explore or do you just not use it? I go and explore only because my explore page is full of, like, my nerdy interests. <laughs> like my explore page is, like, dogs... Grey's Anatomy, Michael B. Jordan. Your because brand I, interest. I know. Like I have such an obsession with Michael B. Jordan at the moment. So it's just like pictures of him <laughs> with no top on. So I sound like a pervert. But like, so my, and then that, and then babies, because babies are cute. And then, and then sometimes just random crap that I couldn't care about. Like so many engagement photos. If I see one more person hold a ring up with their hand. Interesting that it shows you that I, I don't get those. But I, so my explore page is like my nerdy interests. Right. Which makes me so happy. Yeah. But you're not following those accounts. You just secretly looking well, I follow at Michael B. Jordan <laughs> and, I, and I and I go on like I, I use I like will search like different actually how is it finding my grades is it pulling from my internet searches possibly but so yeah I mostly will follow new people when someone I follow shares that person now and again I will like um you know when you're the page like it, when it recommends people for you to follow yeah so like I say I find someone new and then I go through the recommended people that's how I find yeah. people and I don't know if you follow any hashtags sometimes you'll see other no. people's posts in your home feed for anyone that does or if lots of your friends like a post from someone yes. you'll now see that in your home feed so what you've not said there and I think this is true for everybody I've ever spoken to is you don't go and watch the stories of strangers why would I who would do that? So they do show up. They're at the top of Explore. I've never clicked on them. I've never clicked on them. I think I maybe clicked once by mistake and was like, ugh. And they're it always felt the same intrusive. People. They're always like really like high profile people. They're normally celebrities. And so there are ways that stories can get discovered. They can get discovered by location tags if you're tagging. They can get discovered by hashtags. 
Um, and I think occasionally, like say you are at an event and you want to see who else is at the event and what they're doing, you might watch some stranger stories. But even then, I don't think you'd go and follow. No, I will only look at stories when I'm traveling somewhere. Yeah. Like if I'm going to a new hotel, but I'm not, I don't care who posted it. Yeah. You're I'm not looking having a for the information. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's really interesting. Like stories are valuable, but they are not a growth tool. I don't know anyone who is growing their audience. The exception to that is if you're doing kind of viral content on stories. And people share it. Yeah. So if you are just an amazing storyteller on stories, you're hilarious. I know like, I always think of um, LJ, Laura Jane Williams did one where she was talking to camera saying how sexy she she felt that day. And just as she said it, she fell over. Oh, it went. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. So like something like that, sure, that is going to grow. But you can't manipulate that. That was so natural. That was, exactly. And there are a few people, I think, but if you're someone who's growing through stories you know about it because your inbox is full of notifications of yeah. people sharing your stories everybody else your growth tool is your grid so it's important if you if you've only got time for one and growth is what you're chasing then post to your grid what your stories are great for is deepening the relationship you have with those followers once you've got them so yes they're important but if you're panicking and I know the person that asked this question said it was making them feel really anxious you have permission to never use stories if you don't want to if they're not valuable to you if growth is your main goal for this year then no you don't need to be on stories I actually switch off if if it feels like someone's just using stories for the sake of using stories yeah do you know what? Like, I love stories but only if it like has a point to it yeah I think of it as like a whole different platform really like yeah. just how Twitter is and Pinterest is and Facebook is and yeah they're combined within the same app but they they behave in really different ways and we engage with them in really different ways so if it's not for you just as you wouldn't force yourself to go on twitter every day and tweet something even though you hated it don't force yourself to go on stories and if you there's certain things you like about stories and absolutely lean into that because they are really valuable but I, I hate it when there's pressure like this and people kind of make up these rules and send them out to the world because I think it's unnecessary. I think it just stresses people out. I agree. Okay, this is from Magic Little Squares and they ask, and this is really timely actually with all the new rules. She says, the rules for gifted and ads. As she says, she sees some people hashtagging and others just say ad and I think they're feeling a little confused. Sure. So this goes from the UK. I'm not an expert in the US rules, but there is a lot of overlap between the two. So the CMA, which is the Competition and Markets Authority, have just brought out updated guidance for how to apply the law in the UK about how to disclose ads. It's not new rules. They're the same rules that have always existed, but they've just become really clear. It's created a lot of a lot of upset. And I think it's quite interesting to pay attention to why it's upsetting people, because if you were already disclosing to the best of your ability, you probably won't have to make an awful lot of changes. Um, it's quite in-depth. I probably won't go into all the nuances. And there's so much articles out there online. There really are. And if you're going to look for someone, I would recommend Nick Speller. He always breaks it down really well. And um, there's a company called Hashtag Ad, who also have put out some really great information about it, which I can link to if anyone's looking for it. But basically, if you're looking at somebody's post and it's an advertisement, it needs to tell you that before you engage with it. So that means either it's clear from the image itself and so it's got ad written somewhere on it or they've used the disclosure banner at the top or it says it in the top line. At the moment, I think the CMA is saying the Instagram disclosure, you know, the paid partnership Mm. banner, they're saying that that's not sufficient, but I have heard that that's kind of under review and that might come back because 
The aim is for it to be as soon as you glance at something, you know it's an advert and you don't have to find out at the very end. You know, once you've read through the whole caption buried in the hashtags is hashtag ad or even worse, like some people would use hashtag SP, meaning sponsored post. Which general people don't know what that means. No. So the rule has to be like your grandma would know from looking at it straight away that it was an ad. And where gifted then comes into that is if you've been given something for free, a free product, you have to disclose it like it's an ad. A lot of people will use the word gifted, but I think the CMA are saying, would you grandma understand what that means? And I don't think necessarily they would. Plus also, has the brand sent you those shoes just as a gift out the goodness of their heart? Or is it actually like a promotional product that they've sent you, in which case it should be transparently disclosed as that? It's been really interesting, actually. Like I I think like disclose, I'm all for this because yeah. I think as consumers of this content... We know when we're when we're scrolling through our phone what an ad is from a brand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a like a, a traditional ad. A lifestyle blogger who I follow. It's been really interesting since these rules came in. All of her posts now, things that in the past she's spoken about as if she'd bought them, I've now got gifted on them because it's obviously she was probably given like a PR discount yeah, code. Yeah. And it's really changed how I feel about her content because in the past she'd share these things and she bought them and she was giving kind of her opinion. And now that you know that it was gifted. I think it's an interesting time as consumers of this type of content because I think a lot of the time it's selling a lifestyle that they're not actually paying for. Totally. And I feel like we're more empowered now as consumers of that content to know where we stand when we're engaging with content. And I think it's empowering for, if we're using the word influencers here, because it's just creating more transparency between them and their audience. And it legitimizes the industry more, like it gets rid of all of the dark corners. I feel like there's a bigger issue online at the moment anyway, in the sense that I don't know how much people are aware of it, but like 90% of Amazon reviews on products at least are probably spam paid for reviews. Like makeup reviews, there was a huge scandal that came out this year for a company because their PR company had been forcing their staff to make multiple accounts on all the makeup review sites and leave positive reviews hitting on we certain can't trust key points anything. you can't like so if you're like me and you like to do like three hours of research online before you buy a foundation like you can't rely on these things and actually bloggers had been historically one of those voices of like okay well my favorite blogger says this is good I'm going to trust it or like this Instagram influencer says it's working for them I'm going to trust it and knowing whether or not they have a PR relationship and how that's influenced what they're saying is really really key to that that trust still existing for us and I think if you have any influence online and you have an audience and you value your voice then you have to value that trust and and so I like you really really welcome this I think it's overdue and I also hope that we get some high profile cases from the many many celebrities who are huge offenders in this who are continuing to offend I could link you to like the dozens I see every day who are not disclosing it in any way and yeah, I think it's a conversation that's long overdue. Yeah, and if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear. Absolutely. Okay, next question. This is from Studio LP Ceramics, and they ask, is being consistent in your style and grid really important? It depends. I would say it depends on your style and your audience and what you're doing and what you're there to do and what your big goal is, like we talked about earlier. Having a really consistent style and a beautifully flowing grid is one of the easiest ways to convert people who land on your page into followers. So people are quite fickle, like they'll land on your page from wherever they've come from. Maybe they've seen a comment, maybe you were on explore page. If what they see in that kind of top nine posts is of a consistent quality, is engaging to them, is interesting to them, is the best kind of content that they want to see on their home feed, they're going to click follow. 
if it's kind of hit and miss, if it's a bit patchy, or if it doesn't feel like it has a consistent story and they don't have an immediate sense of who you are, then they're probably not. They're more likely to kind of come in, like a couple of posts and go away again and probably never find you again. So if growth, again, if growth is your is your aim, which it shouldn't be for everybody, but if growth is your aim right now, having a consistent style and, gal- and gallery can really help. But how many of us follow people who have completely thrown that out the window and are still absolutely killing it? Like with everything online, like there's there's no one hard and fast rule. And what it kind of comes back to is really knowing yourself because once you know what you would engage with and you like most on Instagram, you know what your audience is going to engage with. So some people will land on a beautifully curated page and be turned off by it and be like, oh, this is too idealistic for me. Her life is too perfect. I don't even want to engage with this and go away. And then they'll land on someone else's page where it's kind of a, a, a real mismatch of like pictures of kids and like talking to camera and everything else and be like, okay, there's something here for me to engage with. So turn it around. What do you follow the most? What do you engage with the most? What do you want your brand to look and feel like? And that's what's essential for you. It's really interesting. I was just reflecting on this question and I probably I'm more likely to like you know like when someone does like a follow Friday and you click through to people's grid yeah the grid looks pretty and I'm like oh they're cool I'll follow them but I will forget who the hell they are usually a week later but if I actually really truly connect with who they are as a person if I love their content if their content has some form of positive impact in my life I don't really give a crap what the grid looks like they're just resonating with me and so I feel like it's a it's a question that needs a deeper question to be helpful right like does does a cohesive grid support your ultimate goal then you need a cohesive grid do you get what I'm saying yes definitely but like if it's I don't know I just think sometimes I'm a big fan of like asking ourselves better questions I totally totally agree and like obviously if it's a professional platform and increasingly I think Instagram is kind of becoming our everyone's homepage on the yeah, web yeah. there's all these different options are coming in so you want it to look professional to a degree like you you don't want it to look like your Facebook page circa 1999 or whatever did Facebook exist then <laughs> um but yeah that can look really different for everybody and I think we do need to get away from this kind of one size fits all. I have to do this because I read it in like a top 10 things you have to do. Yes, it can serve you, but you have to find the way it works for you and your audience. Yeah, it's just asking that big question of like, what is the purpose of Instagram? Uh, yeah. Because if if the only goal is to just grow, that doesn't make any sense to me. And most people think it is like, if I say to you, what's your growth? What's your goal this year? They say growth. It's just like saying, I want to be successful yeah. without like knowing yeah. why. And so I... Yeah, maybe it'd be good for someone to like really break down their 10 favorite grids and what is it they actually love about them and I I would bet that it's because it connects with them in some way yes and and it gives them something I think to take away that adds value yeah value which is a huge thing that we talk about a lot well this leads on to the next question really well from Catherine and she asks how do I know what my audience will find valuable and useful yeah so this is something I touch upon in the book in hashtag authentic I think it's becoming more and more important for people to feel like they're getting an exchange of value because we're all so busy there's so much content online kind of competing for our time and attention now so the stuff that we consistently engage with is the content that gives us something to take away and whether that is like you feel uplifted or it made you laugh Mm. or it's a recipe that you want to go and try or it's a product recommendation that you go and look up or you just feel like connected or you you feel like you need to leave a comment because you're part of that community it can be anything but that to me is is value and it's the accounts that kind of consistently don't provide that that are struggling now I think to connect with audiences and to grow and to kind of see any traction I think it's a difference between being of service and being self-serving yes 
Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like I feel like five years ago, like it was cool just to post a picture and be like, enjoying my day in the sun. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was like a broadcast and everyone just kind of passively consumed it. Yeah. Whereas now we're in this stage where people are like, okay, but what's in it for me? <laughs> I also think we have to reframe value though, because I think value feels like pressure to some people. Yeah. Like value doesn't have to be like an essay every day. No, it no. Can, Because sometimes value is just a beautiful photo and a little, like, I think we're allowed to redefine it. Yes. Like what's, how can you give value in a way that doesn't feel like pressure, but feels exciting to you? A value can be the smallest thing. It can just be literally like three seconds of escapism that someone got and then they scrolled on. But you know the difference, I think, between the, the pictures that make you feel that way and the pictures that give you nothing. And I I can scroll through my feed and see the difference. Like the, the ones I stop and take a second look at. And then there's the ones that, you know, you can skim right by. And it's different for everybody. So they might not have value for me, but they might have value for the next person, which is why getting to know who your audience is and understanding who you're there to serve is so important too. And I find it's really important to know what the hell you're about in the first place. Yes. Because I think I am a big believer in like define your own value first before you let your, like we should be audience focused, not audience led. Yeah. Like the audience really shouldn't be making way. decisions for us. We should be making decisions with the audience in mind. Yes. And I think that's a trap I find some people fall into sometimes is they are like, well, what do you want from me? I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. But there's not enough of a vision for themselves to sustain that giving. No. And and then this comes back to like Instagram is a really wonky playing field now. It's not the level playing field it used to be. So your audience can be like, we're obsessed with cleaning. Yeah, we're obsessed with cleaning. Show us more cleaning. Show us more cleaning. But then six months from now, they might all be sick of cleaning and they've not been able to keep up with their routines and they're all obsessed with with puppies instead like these are bad examples but trends like a cyclical and the algorithm kind of supports trends and then abandons trends so if you follow the audience too far they can kind of lead you down a path that's not where you want to go and then they'll all bugger off and you're stuck at the end of this path like oh now I'm really far from where I wanted to be it makes me think of Ryan Holiday's book Perennial Seller yeah and how we don't want to really create trend-led no businesses we want to build something that's bigger than all of that so it exists bigger than just the current zeitgeist absolutely which is why I know I've said this on the podcast before but your kind of your real stats on Instagram are the stats you get for the post you put out that's not trying to tap into any trend that's not trying to people please it's the post you put up for yourself whatever you get on that is your real stats and yes you can manipulate it and be like okay I'm going to put out a picture like with my daughter in because I know that that always gets me better engagement but if you're having to play the system to do that you can't keep it up. It's not sustainable or else you'll end up at a point where it's your daughter's account and not your own. Yeah. So I guess for Catherine, it's like, are you running a business? Are you running a blog? Like what's the value in what you do? And how do you tap into your zone of genius? On yeah. And I always like to turn it around and think about what value do I get from Instagram? Mm-hmm. Because that's normally the most natural thing for us to, to offer up as yes. well. So like for me, it's inspiration. It's quite often things to think about. I increasingly like follow text and quote based accounts that, that really share stuff that resonates with me and it's like human connection so those are the three things that I would hope my posts most frequently can offer to somebody but like I said like some people I follow because they just make me laugh mm. some people just because I feel less alone it can be so many different things completely so this next question from Sarah says how do I find my people I follow amazing accounts but don't have my own community this is interesting. Again, there's lots of other kind of follow-on questions we could ask because how do you know when you've got a community? What does that look like? And how do you know when you haven't? 
if you've got people who are responding to your posts and who are engaged with you, then I would say you do have a community. I feel like if you know, if you speak, someone will reply, you know, you have a community. Yeah. I remember when That's I, a good measure. When I first started my blog years ago, this was like six, seven years ago now. And I remember what I was craving the most. Like I just wanted to know that if I took up some space there was someone to connect with that's what I was craving when I started my blog this was way before I even jumped to my business and it is that fear of the radio silence like you that you might ask a question and not get anything back and this is where I feel like actually the growth mindset that Instagram lets us down because we're so busy chasing the new followers that we kind of are in danger of neglecting the existing mm-hmm. ones and so one of the things I talk about quite a lot is how we need to balance the posts that are growth or like outreach posts that we're trying to contact new people with and then the posts that are much more about nurturing and deepening our connection with the people who already follow us because I personally write those posts take those pictures quite differently and I use different parts of the platform to do different things so stories as I mentioned earlier is a great way to strengthen your relationship with the community you've got following you and like a community can be five people it can be your mum and a friend from school like it starts with whatever you've got, but by making that community feel heard and feel valued, that's the way you will actually grow it and make it something that's a, an asset to you and your business. Can I say something really controversial? Yeah. Promise me you'll still love me after I'll, I'll try. Say it. I'll try. <laughs> I also would say that for some of us, we're allowed to opt out of the whole bloody thing. And what yeah. I mean by this is, you know, you said that when you do growth posts for growth never once in my life have I done anything on Instagram as a tool for growth no ever and I Instagram is my happy place it's like this stress-free place and it's because I've built a business and a creative career that doesn't need it and my my business does benefit from my Instagram because it's how I connect with people but I only show up on there to connect with the people who I'm already connecting with and I'm just saying I think at the moment we're being fed a lot of noise by like you know just the internet that all this stuff is essential if it if it makes your brain tick if it like makes you feel excited go for it but if you're also just like I just want to share and create do you know what I mean yeah that's how we all started and we kind of got distracted by trying to gamify the system yeah when I look at your book for example what it does for me is it just makes me think oh my god I I want to tell my stories and I want to share myself and I want to kind of and like take photos that I'm proud of so I think like there's I guess what I'm saying like if anyone listening who's like oh my god this feels really stressful you can make Instagram as stressful or as joyful what do you think do you my opting out option no I totally agree it's actually a really important thing to talk about because what I guess what you're kind of describing there is just doing the nurturing side of it just being like hey whoever is here thanks let's talk about some stuff and it hasn't held you back it hasn't stopped your business from existing I don't think that there's any shame in wanting to grow and I know a lot of people do but equally yeah there's no shame in not wanting to and like Instagram is not Pokemon and you don't don't have to catch them all like you don't it doesn't it doesn't have to work that way but it's interesting isn't it how geared we are to want numbers and to equate like numbers with scores for how well we're doing and I think it's dangerous on any platform but especially Instagram I always wonder what hole are we trying to fill with the if the numbers are purposeful like your numbers are purposeful 
because the amount of people you reach and connect with is a the amount of impact you have in the world first and foremost and b that's your business the people you reach is this business community that you've built that is rooted in the value that you offer the world yeah and I also feel like in order to teach growth I have to still be exactly figuring out growth and it changes so often so I'm constantly like okay well what's gonna work for me you're living what you give yeah so my business is kind of different in that sense but I would say for most people you reach a critical point where you're like okay this is my community now I'm ready to serve them yeah no completely there was a question actually that I'm going to sneak one in here that we didn't put on the list. Ooh, okay. But I think it like there was a question that I saw that was sent in that was something like, how do you know like what is good enough growth? And I remember for me, once I had like a thousand people paying attention, whether that was like a social media audience or like that was when I knew. Like that to me was a number where I just felt like a thousand people in a room, I wouldn't be able to speak to everyone. And I, my business, like even 500 would be great or 200 or 100, but I feel like, I feel like we're so obsessed with getting to 100,000 yeah. that we forget the magic of 1,000. Totally. Like, yeah, once you've reached 1,000, that work's kind of done. Like, And that's enough to be self-maintaining because I know there'll be people listening going, oh, but I lose like 10 followers a day. But there'll be 10 people who are finding your work. If you're, cons- if you're consistently putting out blog posts or podcasts or YouTube or whatever it is you do, there'll always be another 10 people discovering you and it kind of self-maintains. And if you're doing the work, like really digging into the quality work that that serves the audience you have, that in itself develops a bit of a viral quality where people share it, people send it to their best friend, people stick it on their Twitter because it's valuable and it's useful to them. And the growth content that we quite often will do that we think is more likely to attract new people tends to lack that quality. And I think you can you can very easily end up with a business that looks really successful because it's got all the numbers and the growth, but it's kind of all surface and you scratch the surface and there's... Gone wider, not deeper. Yeah, that those foundations aren't there. Okay, this next question is from Sophia and she asks, I love this question, what is the one thing anyone trying to grow and use Instagram for business in 2019 needs to know? So like this year... Number one is just switch to a business account. You're going to hear people tell you that it's dangerous or that like Facebook demons are going to come and get you. (laughs) Uh, I understand why people have concerns because Facebook did screw over their page owners, their business page owners. And there is absolutely possibility they may screw over their Instagram business users. But if you're a business, they already know about it. They're not going to let you get away with it. Like if they did decide they wanted to charge everybody... They're going to know straight away who you are and what you're doing and tell you that you're, you have to switch to that kind of account, just like they did with Facebook. Actually, I don't think that's on their agenda. I've seen no signs. I've heard no rumors. I think they've learned lessons from what they did with Facebook and how it disengaged such a large proportion of their younger community. And Instagram, although it's owned by Facebook, it is an entirely separate team. It's an entirely separate set of like heads coming up with the strategy. What you do get is all of the amazing features. And I know we're looking at new features that are going to continue to be rolled out through throughout 2019. So if you're a business and you're not using a business account, you're missing not just a trick, probably about six, seven tricks. Also, big thing for 2019 is um, my book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're using Instagram and you've not bought my book, hashtag authentic, which is available in all good bookstores, what are you even doing? <laughs> I'm curious, like 2018, looking in hindsight, what do you think was the big thing that made a difference for people in 2018? I'm curious. So then looking back, if it helps us. 
Yeah. Well, I'm not, see, I don't know if you can draw lines around it this way. And I, this is why you'll, you'll read articles that go video is the big thing for 2019. Yeah. And they said the same for 2018. Yeah, and, and 2017. Same, and, yeah. 2017. and it's still not really changing in the world. So I guess stories was the biggest change within Instagram last year. But as we've discussed, it doesn't necessarily move the needle in people's business in the way they expect. But it is a different way to engage with your audience and to engage that community. I know Instagram are pushing hard on IGTV. So does anyone even watch that? No, but it's now appearing in your home feed. So you they're trying to make you watch uh, it. I know it's been appearing in my explore feed and I found a great tutorial for curling my hair with straighteners the other week, which has like changed my life. You see, there is some good stuff on there and I think it's getting better at knowing what we want to see and showing it to us. So IGTV is a good place to be right now if you're someone who enjoys making video content because it's such a small pool. So you've got a better chance of like making being the seen. explore page and being seen. But... I really hope that the ultimate strategy for 2019 is authenticity. Mm. It's just kind of a return to doing what we want. I've heard loads of people, and myself included, want to blog more this year. Mm. And so I think it's about like finding the content that lights you up and putting that out into the world and kind of trying to tune out from the day-to-day fluctuations of numbers and look at the bigger picture. I love that. So this next one's from Ruth, and she's asking about boundaries when you feel like you spend too much time online, especially when you've posted and then you're engaging with the new post. Okay, so I have I have a different relationship with like spending a lot of time online. I know it's something people try and detox from and make a lot of New Year's resolutions around. And I've written about this for Whaler recently, but I I don't mind spending a lot of time online. I think because of my health, I don't know if you're similar to this, Jen, but like a lot of the time, my social life happens online. All of my shopping happens online. My research happens online, my entertainment and also my work. So if I was trying to cut down on my time online, I'd just be me sat in a dark room on my own <laughs> doing nothing. I realize that's not the case for a lot of people. So I understand why people want to change the boundaries. And for some people, it does seem to have an impact on mental health. So I think it's important to know your boundaries. So I'm not sure if she means here, obviously, when you post, if you are in a growth strategy time, which hopefully we've all realized is not all of the time, but if you are a good thing to do is to immediately go and engage with other people straight after you've posted. Oh, what does that mess with the algorithm? Well, it just encourages conversation on your post and in return. And you're con- you're kind of reaching out to people who are actively online mm. at that time. So you're kind of increasing your, yeah, just your overall engagement rate. So I'm not sure if she means that or if she means when she's posted, replying to other people's comments. I'm a big believer in in not forcing any of this stuff. Mm. Like if it, if you feel resistance to doing it or if it doesn't fit in within your life or it's making you uncomfortable, then then there's a problem and you need to do less of it. And so if it's not joyful, like if it's not inspiring you or uplifting you to go and engage with all that other content, maybe you're not engaging with the right content or maybe it's not the thing that you need to be doing. What would you say, actually? Well, I kind of when I post something new I don't like hang around or reply to comments straight away because I'm usually posting it in the middle of my day and then usually like later that day or the day after or sometimes two days after I'll carve out time to reply to the comments because for me I come first Instagram comes yeah like what I need goes and then Instagram kind of happens when it happens I'm like the opposite to you like I want to spend as little time on the internet as possible and so I and which is just another sign that like you have to lead into what works yeah exactly and you have to kind of build your business around what works best for you so if you're struggling to draw boundaries because you're spending too much time doing things you're not enjoying on Instagram. That kind of says to me, growing on Instagram should not be like a bottom line for your business. Like maybe there's another platform where you'll enjoy it more or maybe there's another way for you to contact your audience that will feel more 
more enjoyable or like less like it's like it's trampling your boundaries and i always think we don't honor our boundaries and we're afraid so i'm curious what what are you afraid of if you don't reply straight away because if you're afraid that that means that there'll be less engagement or whatever you're afraid of that's all just scarcity mindset really because if these people are truly engaged with your brand and truly connect with your work they're going to connect with you whenever you're available to connect with them. Absolutely. Replies, I would say, can can always wait. Like people will see them when they see them and you can always follow up and explain if, you know, there's a really urgent comment that you've missed. Yeah. Boundaries start with you. Like I think like you set your boundaries and then you just honor them. And I also think it's quite intuitive because like some days you might be in the mood to engage and other days you're like, yeah, I need to go chill out. So it's just listening to yourself. I think it's, I'm like, what are we also afraid of if we don't feel like we can honor our boundaries? Yeah, I know I've heard Beth from Local Milk say she sets a timer after she's posted and makes herself go and engage for the length of that timer. And on the one hand, I think that's good because she's set a clear boundary from when to finish. But she talks about it more, I think for her, it's she has to force herself to go and do Mm. it. And I just, for me, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to be forcing myself I don't want anyone to be forcing themselves don't engage with my posts if you have to force yourself my community deserves better than a personally for me if even if I'm going to reply to you days late I'd rather reply to you when I'm showing up for you rather than I'm forcing my this is not a criticism of Bethan anyway it's more just for me personally like I don't want to force myself to show up for you so I'm going to show up and connect with you when you're getting the all of me and not a bit of me that's like secretly resenting it like especially with dms if I'm like tired one day I will reply to dms the next day do you know what I mean? And I just think, I think boundaries is just giving yourself permission to have the boundaries you need and to stop believing the lie that we have to behave a certain way on Instagram. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to is actually what we're all scared of is our boundaries getting in the way of the uh, inverted commas rules. Yeah. And there are no hard and fast rules. And this is one of the things I've always struggled with, with like writing an e-course because I want it to always be a question rather than an answer. Like, these things work but which of them work for you because you can't I love that that's exactly how I feel about coaching yeah it's a question not an answer it's like a toolkit and you say to people like pick the tools that are going to be the right ones for you and this is what the book is really trying to be about is like these are all the amazing positives of Instagram these are all the wonderful things that you've got in your life around you that you can celebrate but how do you want to do it because for some people that means I just want to just want to have a private account where I just like take pictures of my day with my kids and for some people it's I want to be huge and I want to have a business and I want to connect with people like me all around the world and there's no right or wrong but how you do both of those things looks completely different. So the last question is from Marlene and she asked do hashtags still matter? Oh, good question. They do, more than people seem to think, actually. What hashtags now do is more sporadic. So sometimes they will have absolutely no impact on how far your post goes. And then the next day they might be the thing that makes your post go viral. So if you're trying to reach, again, new audiences, or if you're trying to reach kind of more of your existing audience, Mm. if you feel the algorithm's not necessarily putting you at the top of other people's home feeds, a good hashtag kind of strategy can pay off. But like everything else, it's it's just one of those tools in the toolbox. Like if your content is amazing and you're saying the things that you want to be saying, the right people are going to find you and you can kind of trust that. What a hashtag will do is kind of help it play the game of the algorithm a little bit more. But whether you really need it to is kind of a bigger question. Do you think it's best to have like, I've seen people who have like 50, like loads of hashtags. Is it best to have like lots or is there a certain amount? Like, is there a game of it there? So Instagram have said on a couple of occasions, they do a lot of weasel wording where they can't quite tell you the facts, (laughs) but they sort of hint at them. So they've said that 
you can use up to 30. You won't be penalized for it. 30 is the limit. You won't post anymore after that. But most people probably don't need to use more than around 10. And so what that says to me is you won't be penalized for using more, for using the full 30, but you might be optimized for using around about 10. But experiment, there's no hard and fast rules. I don't, I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, oh my God, I put 30 hashtags on. And the worst. I need to delete my account. (laughs) Like it's not going to make or break anybody. And none of these things will make or break you. Like whether or not you use stories or whether or not you use hashtags or any of the things that we've touched on today do not make or break a business. And what's kind of at the heart of it all is being in conversation with your audience and understanding what it is you offer to people. And once you've got a really clear sense of that, I think everything else becomes a lot easier because you're able to go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to pick some hashtags that I think people who are looking for this topic are going to find useful. I'm going to stick those on some of these posts. Again, being of service and not self-serving. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult sometimes because there's not always been a model of what that looks like so if you're especially if you're something like a fashion blogger I think it's there's a huge model where you're just like hit hit my like to know it and find out where this outfit's from and that's it every post and so it can feel challenging to kind of to break that mold but I would say everybody needs to be following more diverse people on Instagram anyway like we all have a responsibility on social media to get out of our bubble Mm. and to see the different lives that people are living and to follow people who look nothing like us so Go and do that and see what you can learn from how other people are using social media because I guarantee it will inspire you. It will give you a whole load of new ideas and hopefully it will take some of the pressure off. I have uh, two questions for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> About the book. So question number one, who did you write this? Like when you think of who this book is for, who did you write it for? I wrote it for younger me. That was the thing I had in my head all along. I remember when I first was kind of building this on Instagram and I had all of these questions and they're less just the technical questions but the bigger questions Mm. of like is it faking it if I style this picture like am I lying to people if I put a cup of tea in a blanket in a window when I wasn't there and um like how can I still be myself but also kind of have this public platform Mm. what do I hold back all of those kind of questions plus of course all the nerdy stuff that I figured out along the way and the technical stuff so it's for people who are I guess where I was maybe just a couple of years ago in my business or anyone who wants to have a creative outlet and feels like maybe social media is the place to do it but doesn't feel like they've ever been given permission I I actually was thinking I feel like your book is ultimately a big permission slip yeah for someone to be creative to take up space to be intentional with the action they take and figure out their place out within it all I speak to so many people and it's especially women who have someone in their life who tells them that Instagram is a waste of time or that Mm, blogging is a waste of time. It's frivolous. It's stupid. And we hear it all the time, don't we? Like, go and get a real job or not another blogger or influencer. And so the book, yeah, is kind of me saying, stop listening to those people. Like, these are the reasons it really does matter. And actually, like, here's all the comparisons with traditional media and with historical jobs and everything else. And if it matters to you, that's allowed. I feel like the question you're probably going to get from a lot of people is what's the difference between the book and the institute? Yeah. So for anyone listening, what would you say to them? I'm interested that you asked that because I know you're like me and you're like, wow, I can't believe that people think that a book and a course is the same thing. To me, it doesn't make sense to think that they're the same thing because a book is like a solo, intimate, like beautiful experience. And a course is like a transformative experience where you're holding my hand through that transformation you're teaching me something in a course in a book it's like an immersive experience do you know what I mean totally I feel like the 
book is maybe like a BBC serial adaptation. And oh, I like that. The course is the original book plus like the audiobook plus the sequel yeah plus like a load of fan fiction that someone wrote <laughs> it's completely immersive the course yeah so it's like the whole story and I've, I mean obviously the, the course already existed I'm always updating it but the course already existed when I wrote the book so I, I took key lessons from it that I know have always resonated with people that I wanted to share but the book is much more about finding the inspiration in your daily life and using that to kind of fuel your creativity and connect with your community whereas the course is much more like okay you've identified that Instagram is a tool for your business how can I help you build that into something that's really useful so I feel like they're really different at heart yeah and I think if someone's already taken the course I also what I think is beautiful about the book is like it's it's a more intimate relationship with you do you know what I mean like the book's full of like so many beautiful photos and it's like I feel like the book is just like it's a beautiful journey through your view of the world as well there's quite a lot of me in it it feels really personal and and that's I think what makes it feel quite vulnerable because like these are pictures of my home and my family and these are stories from my childhood and from my life woven in so if the book gets rejected I don't know what I'm picturing like piles of it being burned but (laughs) if the book gets rejected it can feel like a rejection of me and I've had to do quite a lot of work preparing myself to realize actually no like the book is just like a snapshot of me that's going out into the world but it's it isn't all of me yeah so it's out on Thursday out on the 21st of February for anyone listening in the future that means it's already out in the world and it's available in all good bookstores and Amazon and Amazon which is a demonic <laughs> bookstore and I think if you're in Australia and New Zealand the release is a few weeks later for logistical reasons I thank you for letting me pick your brain about Instagram today. I hope it was helpful to people. <laughs> As always, you can come use the hashtag Dear Hopeful Creative. Let us know your thoughts about Instagram, what you took away from this episode. And yeah, we we always love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. And if this was useful and you want us to do kind of more of these rapid fire yeah, let us know what topics on any topic, do give us a shout. Yeah. Awesome. Have a great day. You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We are going to be sharing new episodes every Monday. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon.